from Austin, Texas to Essex, England, once again with a little stop in Houston, Texas as well. This is the Armchair Apex podcast, formerly the Slipstream podcast. Did we rebrand? Yes. Is there a Slipstream anymore in the season? No, because we got new cars. We've got new regulations. We've got new drivers. We've got one race under our belt, and that's when we're starting this podcast. Other podcasts are going to start before the the race. They're going to start before you know after preseason testing. They're shooting in the dark. All right, they're shooting at a ghost. You don't know what's going on. Don't make your predictions. Then we're going to make our predictions now, after one race, and we'll do that later on in the show. For now, I'm joined with James Lingy Twelve Lingfield, and uh, we got a new host, a new co-host here, Mr. Aaron Morphew. Say hi to the people. Aaron, how are you doing? Uh, very well. Very happy to be here. I uh, look forward to uh, joining you guys to go through this season and to stand for Valtteri Botas. Valtteri, yes. He's, he is our official Valtteri Botas stand while wearing a Williams shirt, which I guess, well, I guess he started his career there. So it makes sense in some, in some form. So Aaron's going to be joining us um, for this season. We're going to have uh, a lot of fun. And uh, let's get right to it, guys, because like there's a lot of stuff to go off of we've got a uh, one race under our belt we've got new cars we've got pretty much just a massive cluster of punches to the face to address and process um so i don't know guys right off the bat what do we like for uh, favorite liveries well who's our favorite livery out of the gate watching the reveals over the last couple of months what do we what do we like um i think it, it's really hard to bet against the aston i mean even last year it was cool but i think the the green, the dark greens are more luminescent, and that mm. bright green really pops. And I think mm. that adds so much to the livery. Mm. Yeah, I like that one too. It's like a deep sea dive in an emerald lagoon with a car, you know, instead of fins, instead of swimming fins. Aaron, what, do, what about you? What do you like? See, I like right out of the gate, I was really into the Alphataris livery but once i saw uh the the aston and fp1 like actually under the actual sun i uh, i was converted mm, yeah so so we're going to astons two astons favorite paint job i'm gonna go ferrari it was just that might be the sexiest car i've ever seen in my entire life and i called it i'm not gonna lie to you i called it i called it as soon as i saw the ferrari i was like this is gonna be the car that wins because it looks the fastest and for whatever reason that's usually the case whatever car looks the fastest is is the one that's the fastest i think more teams should just start doing that be like how do we make a car that looks fast and then maybe it'll just follow after that i don't know if the aerodynamicists and the engineers really uh do it like that but i f i feel like that could be a role where they're just like how do we make it look fast what well, is the first time in uh since the turbo hybrid era that they've actually looked like race cars yeah yeah kind of true you ever watch like the 2014 season and you're just like these sound these don't these aren't loud why are they not loud what's hybrid powered weather vanes <laughs> <laughs> hybrid weather balloons let's just go let's just switch to weather balloon racing uh man yeah they're looking good i like the alpha too i like the alfa romeo i like the classic logo on the side looks cool i like the wheel covers i was partial to the williams too i'm not gonna lie i thought the williams looked I thought it looked faster than it might be this season, which that's kind of a disappointment, you know? Like, I thought they were going to be kind of where Haas and Alfa Romeo are right now, which is, that's, you know, that's a, you know, threw me for a loop. So uh, we'll we'll get on to that later in the season. Uh, what what about the worst ones? Ugliest? Well, I, I, I think it makes you realize that people actually have no idea what they're talking about. Because when I saw, like, the uh, the Alpine or the Williams, I was like, oh, what the hell is that? 
when you actually see it on track, it looks quite nice. Like I think particularly that Williams from the front looks sort of sharky. Mm. What are we five minutes into the podcast? I'm inventing my own adjective, sharky. <laughs> um, they all look quite nice. I I say maybe if I had to pick a least favourite, I think probably the McLaren. It's very fitting they brought out the Lego version mm. because the actual McLaren car looks more like a Lego car than the Lego car. Mm. Uh, and it probably drives like one too, but that's it. That's a topic oh, in the, in the well, podcast. Oh man. It's, it's, it's so depressing watching them just be last. You're just like, what, why it looks, it looks cool. Make it be as fast as it looks, but I don't know, man, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of problems. This, I mean, everybody's got a new car. That's the amazing thing about this, about this season is everybody's got a new car. Nobody really knows what to, to do with it. But I think we're really seeing the effects of the limits of those wind tunnel times, testing times on the teams because the, the teams that got more are just kind of have, at least in Ferrari's case, have a little bit more to work off of. You can tell that they were just like, yeah, Haas, you know, Haas had 80,000 hours of wind tunnel time because they've been last since the Reagan administration. So like, you know, and they, so they had a, t- so they came out with their, like, yeah, our car kicks ass. And then Mercedes is just like, ours, ours kind of bounces like an ejection seat. So we don't know what to do right now. George, you know, George Russell's in there just like a bobblehead, And that's, that's tough to watch, but he's got a big, he's got a big head though. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that's kind of adding to it. He looks like a family guy character almost. Like, he, <laughs> like, like George Russell looks like he could be. A hey, Lois, I'm driving from Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just like looks. He's like a head on a stick, which is like you know. If I was his stature, I would still have it because I have got a big head too. So I sympathize with that. But man, a lot of stuff to get to this season. This is just a wild. This is just wild. Uh, we were gonna try to do like a preseason thing, but we all got jobs and we all got lives, you know. Uh, so we were just like, ah, we're going to try to do it, but we're doing it a season, uh, after one episode and you're just going to have to live with it. The audience, you're just going to live with it. You're going to be happy because we're going to tell you to be happy. And that's how we do things on the armchair apex podcast. We tell you what you like and then you like it. And then that's how, (laughs) that's how things go. Uh, man, we got new regulations too. We've got new regulations. Uh, we've got a new steward format. Um, man, some of the new regs are pretty wild. Uh, I, my favorite is kind of the, the new Q, no two, no Q2 tire rule. So I kind of like that. Uh, we saw that this weekend in Bahrain, everybody starting on the softs, except for two, forget what team that was. I think, I think McLaren started on the mediums, right? So they just went. Yeah, that went well. Yeah. (laughs) We saw how Well, well that one went. It's, it was, it's important to note though, that they, the compounds were shifted to the hardest so the soft this time around would be more akin to the medium mm, moving over yeah. to some of the other tracks yeah that's right but, but but then i think it was interesting last year cars would almost never run the, the soft in the race of their own volition um i know i spoke about last season with you with andrew uh, with you andrew sort of make softs great again and it was good to see people <laughs> bolting on the softs and going for pace because yeah. I think where the tires before would wear that bit more, you know what the media was always the better race tire. Yeah. Um, I must say I was wrong about the QT tire rule. I, I really didn't like it when it was first brought in, um, but I think it is going to switch things up. I was just curious if, if either of you two knew when does like the reveal come? Like, do you have to lock in your tire choice to the FIA, or is it like a good, the bad, and the ugly situation mm. of whiffing the blankets off as late as you can? 
That that's something they brought up in the broadcast that it didn't seem like there was very much clarity from them because the they had Sam Collins on the grid walking around and he was like trying to peek into people's tire blankets. So it doesn't seem like it's information that's at least being released to yeah. uh, to us the fans. Yeah, make it as chaotic as possible. That's that's what I err on. Anything that makes it as chaotic as possible, that's what I want to see. Well, these new tire rags are definitely doing that. Yeah. Unleash the chaos, baby. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, frozen power units. Current power, current hybrid power units have now been a part of Formula One for eight years. And in that time, some incredible development has taken place. But with a new set of power unit regulations currently being finalized, this is from F1, Formula1.com, by the way, uh, by the different manufacturers for a 2026 hybrid engine. Uh, it looks like an agreement was reached to freeze power units from 2022 onwards as focus moves to the future. So we've got engine locks on these, on these power units. Um, and that's like kind of like off the bat, one of the biggest regulation changes for the season. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what these teams are going to be doing, especially with the e-fuels and stuff like that. They've got to, they've got to design these engines around these fuel regs. Uh, and we saw that this weekend with Red Bull. Uh, just running out of gas, apparently, or run, or just like not having a good fuel pump system at the last minute because they kind of had to switch it up. Uh, so that was that was cool. Actually, I kind of I, I enjoyed seeing them both drop out. To be honest with you, it was it was pretty funny just because they th- they just thought they had it in the bag, and no, they don't. You know, so we'll see. The uh, it's it's actually come out just uh, recently that it wasn't actually the fuel pump because if what? it had been the fuel pump, there would have been uh, several other cars having issues with it because the fuel pump's actually a part it's a standardized part this year oh, so all teams are running the exact same fuel pump but there it was pointed out immediately prior to the race that there were some issues with it so red bull immediately after the race pointing the finger at the uh the you know the the standardized part that's the fuel pump is the most <laughs> red bull thing of all time uh, that come that comes from italy by the way the fuel pump is from italy so if any of you conspiracy theorists are out there <laughs> well it'll 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 work right into the uh Ferrari used Haas's wind tunnel time to build both cars. <laughs> conspiracy theory. There's only so many bars in Marinello, right? <laughs> That's crazy. So what what was it? I get maybe a tank design because it definitely sounded like it was some sort of fuel issue. Maybe it's the the way they designed their tanks. Those that's definitely custom to their car. Um, Alphatari caught on fire, but that was apparently an isolated issue. But There's both Red Bull cutting outs. H issue. Yeah, the old battery system that do, I don't know what it does, but it does. You know, it makes it like, I don't know, uh, you know, it's magic. I'm not sure how it does that, but it does it. So, but it caught on fire. Definitely. I was, I was pretty stoked to, uh, to, to see them both have like all three Honda powered cars have issues, especially after all of the stink that they raised about freezing the engines, saying that they needed time to catch up because they were going to be a new producer. Honda's leaving, Honda's back. It's, it's all been a bit nonsensical. So them having engine uh, issues out of the gate. I was okay with it already. A double DNF has already given Ferrari like a significant advantage in the constructors. If it is going to end up those two as the two fighting, you know, what, what was that? 40, 40 odd points that's yeah. just been gifted to, to Ferrari. You know, that's, that's something Red Bull can't afford to do. You know, you can have the fastest race car in the world, but going back to sort of the end of the decade last year, you know, if you're not finishing, They've got no chance, and that Ferrari yeah. all all through testing the the engine looked really reliable. So that'll be that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. I think. Yeah, yeah, it really was. 
Well, I, I think that like what what I found super interesting is that the engine, the terminal engine issue, isn't the only thing that Max was actually dealing with there. So the Jackman dropped the car and actually broke or damaged his uh, his front front steering assembly. So he was actually saying that the power steering had a a lag in response. Oh no! And it was actually. And I just can you imagine barreling down one of that that front straight going into turn one, and then you turn the wheel in a second later you actually start turning. No, I can't. I would, I would poop myself is what I would do. Well, I also just, yeah, it's, it's particularly funny that this is not the first time the Red Bull was dropped over, uh, over the last couple of weeks. Apparently this is a common issue with them now. Um, if you, if you look online, there's actually some videos of it hitting the ground with no rear tires. Oh, that's, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, let's put those on first. Hey guys, let's remember the tires first. If we can, if we could do that. Those guys make like $150,000 a year too for just like lifting and dropping a jack, which sign me up. How do I do that? You know, is there a farm system for that? You know, I guess you got to, you know, how do you get to that level of just like, yeah, I do the jacks for the cars. And uh, there's also a guy that does like, he holds the fire extinguisher, makes like 75 grand a year to hold a fire extinguisher. So uh, no excuses for these. Actually, these guys are like under so much stress of 23 races there was some sort of video that came out about like how hard these guys are working with the the expanded calendar it's just like oh okay well i guess i guess it makes sense they're getting they're getting paid so much uh so speaking of that new tire regulations uh first change is that a rule that relates to the tire blankets that teams use to heat the tires when in the garage previously the front tires could be heated to 100 degrees but that drops to 70 degrees celsius from 22 onwards while the rears were at 80 degrees Celsius and now dropped to 70 degrees Celsius. Um, and then they've got, uh, yeah, so basically they're just going out with colder tires. Now, we saw that uh, in real time with Lewis going out on those hards, and I feel like that might have played into it with just going out on just like much colder hard tires and then just looking like he was like slipping in the shower out of the pit lane, which was, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, all right, all right, Lewis, let, let's, let's rein it in here. Um, so yeah, we're already seeing the effects of that. I thought I was going to see more wheel covers. Honestly, it's crazy how many wheel covers I don't see with these, uh, enlarged tires. Um, but yeah, um, upshot is a colder tire when leaving the pits and a different approach needed from drivers on their outlaps, as well as a new approach to the tire compounds from, from Pirelli. This is part of F1's ongoing sustainability program with less heating, meaning a lower carbon footprint. Okay. I understand sort of the the idea of the low carbon footprint. Firstly, surely when you've got twenty high performance race cars going around the track, having essentially an electric blanket yeah. that I have on my bed surely cannot add that much. And I do yeah. worry about safety. I mean, yeah. you know, co- coming out of the pits is a is a key part of the race. You know, to yeah. execute an overcut or undercut. So you, it's the part where you have to push. And I think something's going to end in tears, particularly some of these really fast pit exits like like silverstone's really fast um yeah. i mean spa like you you come out of the pits and go up by rouge you know that that's got to end in tears you'd imagine yeah yeah it would Aaron, what do you think i like i'm i i'm with you james that like the uh it, it 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 seems like we're being a little gaslit with the wording that they use yeah. about why uh, they changed the temperature like if if you want chaos just say so i'm totally yeah. here for it yeah, don't do it under the guise of like a lower carbon footprint. You're racing 20 cars and like traveling across the world using like super oil conglomerates money 
to do yeah, this. Ban private jets and like private a, the jet. electric blankets. Yeah. What are we doing? Okay, lower guys. carbon footprint. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure that's what we're doing here. Just say, just yeah, just build. Let's take. Let's do the same carbon footprint. Actually, let's go back to the carbon footprint from 2008. And let's do that. And then let's take all the carbon you use and just like turn it into forests around every track. How about that? We'll just feed some plants, you know, with the carbon that we're using. And then we'll do it that way. We'll go fern gully style. We'll, we'll just build some rainforests around every track. Every Bring desert back track. The earth car. Yeah. Every desert track turns into an oasis. You know, you've got lagoons and whatnot. Aston Martin could do something with their livery in like a green lagoon. You know, there's endless possibilities. Bring back refueling. Let's bring back refueling, guys. Let's do it. What are we doing? Let, let's have the Indiana Jones Grand Prix through just like the thickest jungle yeah. ever. Yeah, essentially. Let's make it cruising USA, basically. But like cruising Europe or cru- <laughs> cruising the Middle East. And you just go through like 80 different terrains, man. But I, yeah, I mean, I guess you got to throw out that messaging at some point with these these huge companies. I don't know why. I, I, I just feel like people people understand what's going on. I don't know who's like watching this and being like, oh, yeah, they are doing a little car. Like, who's the, <laughs> who are the people reading this and being like, oh, yeah, that is the reason why. I guess, I guess, man, I guess they're really virtuous. I guess this company using tobacco and oil money for every race and uh, international hotels uh, just, yeah, they're really virtuous. So I get, you know, it's like, okay. well, you know, all like a lot of my other friends have been converted to formula one fans now that they've lowered their carbon footprint with those tire blankets. That was, <laughs> they had a moral objection to it. Yeah. My, my mom bought a Prius and now she's reserve driving for Alpha Tauri. That's how it works. You know? They just hired on. Well, uh, Aaron was, uh, as all of three of us, um, we are doing this podcast because we are former formula one drivers um we we all yes, did do that um i was a quick i did a quick stint as a reserve driver for toyota uh in the mid 2000s um and also nigel mansell's stunt double uh for a a biopic about him um that was produced in 2007 by lifetime uh so uh you know even though i didn't have this mustache back then they still wanted me for it so uh that actually that's just a projection of what i would like to do now just just hire just hey who you making a Nigel Mansell movie? You know who to hire, baby. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess you just got to inject kind of. I, I, yeah, well, that's a. I feel like that's a discussion for another day. The and we should we should probably delve into that some. Uh, just like how you know the posturing and the wording and the marketing with stuff, some of this stuff and how it plays onto reality because that's always interesting. This dog thinks he's going outside, but he's not. He's stuck in here for this recording. So. But I don't know what you're terrifying. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) he's fine. He's doing good. He'll try to eat the cat food and then I'll have to throw a shoe at him or something. But anyway, uh, on to Bahrain. Uh, Actually, no. First, we were going to let's cover something real quick, which is interesting. Um, Of course, we know that Michael Massey is out as race director. uh, But we also have, in addition to a, a new race director, we've got a new virtual race control room. That is happening. And this struck me as an interesting change uh, to the uh, regulations um, from the race.com. In addition to replacing Massey, Massey, FIA President Mohammed bin Salim has announced further changes to reinforce F1's officiating in a presentation entitled A New Step Forward in Formula One Refereeing. Uh, a vir- new virtual race control room will be created that has been likened to football's video assistant referee. 
which will assist the race director in making decisions. They say football there. I think they mean American soccer, but also they could mean American football because the NFL, I believe the NFL does the same thing as too. And in addition to other sports, I think a lot of major league sports are doing that right now. Um, but it, just to finish off this little paragraph, as expected, direct radio communications with the race director during the race will not be broadcast and team po- team bosses will not be able to interfere in order to protect the race director from any pressure and allow him to take decisions peacefully. It will, it will still be possible to ask questions to the race director. Uh, the FIA says, according to a well-defined and non-intrusive process, uh, likely to be that team managers can speak to an intermediate body and race control before li- uh, liaising with the race director if necessary. So uh, along with, I don't think they're going to have any more broadcast uh, conversations between the, the team principals and the race uh, control. I didn't like that anyway. I thought that was a little cheesy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's going to be this new room. What do you think? Do you, th- you guys think there's going to be any sort of like uh, uptick in the competency of these, these decisions, or at least are they going to be more decisive? Um, do you think that played into anything this weekend necessarily? What are, what are y'all's thoughts on this initially? I 100% think it played into this weekend. The race director, I'm like, I'm, I'm purposely not going to learn their names because I don't feel like I should know the race director's name because I watched <laughs> the race, not the officiating. Yeah. So I'm going to see yeah. how long I can go without knowing either of these guys' names. Yeah. That's a great call, actually. I think I'm going to do that. I don't know his name yet either. Do James, do you know the, the name of the guy? Well, the, the names on there. Don't they yeah, there's two, it's two, two guys. It's alternating guys. Yeah. But I, I, I haven't got a clue. And that I think is a good sign. Let's, 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 let's keep it that way. But it yeah. did, uh, it did seem as though the drivers were far more cognizant of the, not crossing the white line and not driving erratically for fear of there being, you know, a more fitting penalty. Cause yeah. from what I understand, the new race directors are just no nonsense. They're just like, these are black and white rules. If you, obviously we saw some instances in qualifying where people were going all four tires past the white line, but they obviously weren't gaining an advantage. So they yeah. weren't penalized. Yeah, not at all. Uh, but there was a, like a, like, did Ocon get penalized for the thing with, uh, with, for uh, punting Mick, Schumacher, for Mick, yes. For Mick, he punted. It was a light. That was a love tap. He just made a poor decision driving. Ocon, after the race, even said, yeah, that was 100% my fault. Yeah. But the cool part about it was, did you guys see how smooth Mick caught it and continued to go? He almost oh, didn't even yeah. lose the place. Yeah. Just, like, he he <laughs> really so didn't. Cool. That was, he, he actually almost 360'd and then kept the same speed for whatever reason. Yes. Like it was, it was wild. Um, I don't think I've even done that in Mario Kart before just dry like that's not, i've never been able to just do that in mario kart and super nintendo just been like oh 360 and i'm i keep going so but i feel like that's part of we were talking about this the other day in in the text thread i feel like that's part of being drivers at these levels too is where like you can just spin going 100 miles an hour and still be able to just be like all right we're fine and i corrected it and we're cool so also he's a schumacher so you know he could he's you know i don't think He's unlocked 10% of his power by now. 2027 world champion, maybe. Um, we will see. Um, on to Bahrain. Let's talk Bahrain. Uh, crazy first race of the season. Um, Ferrari won two. Two Red Bulls out. Lewis Hamilton pulling out a podium uh, with that porpoise of a car they got and uh, still managed to make it happen. Uh, we saw Kevin Magnussen qualify up there uh, alongside Valtteri, but we had a 
we had a Hamilton Magnuson battle happen at one point. Uh, just just wild, wild and crazy rides all throughout. Uh, I don't know. Initial thoughts. What do you guys think? Well, I think it's it's set up. Uh, I came away from Bahrain last year with Max and, and Lewis being so close. I thought that's the title fight for the season. And I get very much the same feeling here. I think the Carlos is a very good driver. I think he admitted he had a tough weekend and, and Sheko as well as a good driver. But I think Max and Charles, their teammates are nowhere near the level that they are. They're both young. They're both hungry. Um, Max spoke in the preseason about still having that hunger to win a world title again, but not having that desperation anymore. And I think that yeah. maybe explains some of his, his driving decisions last season. And I wonder now if we'll see that situation flipped where Max is the one who's been there, done that, doesn't have to take the risks, and it will be Charles who's making the lunges and pushing him wide or, or anything. Or Charles just win all 22 races this season and we'll get bored of Ferrari like we did in the mid-2000s, I guess. What do you think, Aaron? I think that the biggest takeaway from this first race is that the new regulations are doing what they wanted. Yeah. Mm. We're seeing considerably closer racing and we're we're seeing more strategy having to like when was the last time you saw a three stop race? Like that an intentional three stop race. Twenty twelve. So I mean like yeah, people were planning for three stops here. I think that's that's so exciting. Um I like the the three or four laps that uh, Char was allowing Max to pass him going into turn one and just taking it back at four was just like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. 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 It was, it was pretty wild seeing three stops. I was like, what is this? 20, 2012, 2013. It was, it was crazy. Um, we're going to see definitely a battle between Leclerc and Max. May, I want to see it between signs too. I want signs to throw in. I want him to get a handle on this car. I think he's a better driver than what he showed this weekend. And even with the weekend that he had, which wasn't even that good, he was still pulling a P2 uh, in qualifying and then in, oh, I'm sorry, in uh, the race. And then I believe he qualified P3, right? So it was like a, a Ferrari 1-3 on the grid. And so they lined up. Um, I wanted to see them, I want to see him battle with Leclerc more. I think he's a driver that can do it. Um, I think he might just have that, he might just be a bit smoother, uh, rounded driver than Leclerc is. I think James, what you're saying about Leclerc being hungry this season, like Max was last season, uh, is going to play to his advantage a lot. Um, I think Max is still going to be. I don't think. I don't think the driving is going to between Leclerc and Max is going to be as dirty as it was between Hamilton and and Verstappen at all. I don't, I just don't think that rivalry is the same. I think. I think Leclerc and Max, for whatever reason are going to battle a lot, but I don't know if it's going to be as testy as it was last season for whatever reason. And partially because of the cars we have now, where I don't know if just because they don't have a handle on these cars, like they did last year, where it's just like they could rocket through these corners and know that they're the downforce is there. They just don't have that anymore. So Aaron, what you were saying about the regulations doing what they're needing to, I think absolutely. I think that's going to also result in cleaning, cleaner racing too. You're just not going to see, you're not going to see Max just diving into, uh, you know, the turn one of Monza and just like, hey, I'm on top of you now. Deal with it. Dude, no, no one has the car control that they did previously. No. I, I have, I, I actually, I, I wanted to make a super cut of all of the lockups that happened during that race. Oh, yeah. 87. It would be, 
I, I feel like every driver locked up at, at you know, at yeah. some point. Yeah. Yeah. 87 lockups. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Kevin Magnuson, let's talk about him real quick. Oh, uh, wow. What a, what a return. He wasn't even expecting to do this two weeks ago. Uh, and now he, uh, came back with where, where did you finish P P five P five Kevin Magnuson. Uh, first points finish for Ferrari or, or excuse me, a has in, uh, in two years, right Two, I believe it's like 2019 or 2018. The last time they, they scored any points. Uh, he scored more points in one race than they have in the last two years. Uh, man, uh, is it the car? Is it him? Is it both? I think I want to say it's both. Um, is he going to drag Mick Schumer, uh, Mick Schumer, like he's Amy Schumer's kid, Mick Schumacher up, <laughs> <laughs> Amy Schumer's son, Mick Schumer, a Formula One driver. Is he going to drive him up the grid? Uh, I think that's going to be one of the most beautiful things about this partnership, too, is you've got not only a driver that's just going to be a better influence on the entire team um, because he's just not a spoiled brat yelling at everyone because he sucks. Uh, you've got a teammate that's going to to pull Mick Schumacher up. Uh, with his inexperience and show, be able to show him things uh, that maybe he wasn't aware of that uh, a rook, an, another rookie is not going to be able to do uh, because it's just two, two, two rookies, just two rookies fighting out on track. It's just not going to do well. Um, and so, you know, what do you guys think about that partnership and his performance overall this weekend? Well, you, you make that point about like the experienced driver bringing the, the younger driver out of the grid. But I think if you look across the grid, at times we've had that this year or the past few years, it hasn't normally worked out for the younger driver, you know, Antonio Giovinazzi and Kimi Raikkonen didn't really help him out. Um, you had uh, Checo and Stroll and now Checo and Vettel, uh, sorry, Vettel and Stroll. And you said it might pull him out of the grid. I wonder if it would almost put him out of F1. Because last season he had no challenge, really. He beat right. Nikita Mazepin as honestly probably I would if he gave me 10 minutes in that car. But, you know, he, Kevin Magnussen's a good driver, but he's not any sort of generational talent. No. And if you are a second behind your teammate, then you start to question how good really are you, you know? And then and it, you could imagine where where Kevin has a great season that we know we can have, we, he can have, and Mick has a, a really poor one, and Mick could almost be in trouble at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I think he could be in trouble by the end of the year. Um, I Do I think he's going to outperform Magnuson this year? No. Um, but I don't know if he's going to... I don't. I think his pedigree is too good. I'm going to give him a, the benefit of the doubt for his name, uh, that his pedigree is too good. Um, sadly, he doesn't have his dad here to, to alongside him, which, dude, I want... I wish that... I ooh, uh, Watching that Schumacher documentary at the end just got me so good man because oh, i was just God. i was just i was like ah, you just want to see eh, you want to see michael there alongside him just kind of like hey do this do that you know and you just want to see that so bad as a race fan um but i think his i think his talent is pretty understated it has been pretty understated i think we'll just i guess we'll we'll see we'll have to see i, I don't think he's going to be in trouble though uh, in the least i like i honestly don't think that this first race was representative of where anyone's going to be no at the end of the season, much less like, you know, a few races from now, but it did, it does give us a little bit more to go off of. That's why I I like the idea of doing the predictions. Let's do one race. Uh, you know, well, we'll, we'll while I don't think that Ferrari and Haas are, cause I, I, I mean, I feel like 
I, I feel like it's not really a secret that, you know, everyone's talking about how Ferrari helped Haas develop their car this year. Hmm. And obviously, you know, part of part of why they're so far up the grid. One, the like I'm thinking about the meme of the dominoes being pushed over where it's like the Soviet Union falling and then it shows uh, <laughs> Magnuson scoring P5 at the uh, at the end of the dominoes. <laughs> but I don't think it's any secret that Ferrari's had a hand in the development of this car. And I don't think that they're going to get nerfed, but I think the rest of the field is going to catch up to what they've done. Yeah. And I I think it's going to be a valid battle. I think that Mick Schumacher will score some points, but I I wouldn't, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Kevin Magnuson. I just don't think that they're going to be battling at the front. How dare you? How dare you disrespect (laughs) Kevin Knight? How dare you disrespect the mag? All right. We will have none of that on this podcast. If there's anything we're not going to stand for on the Armchair Apex podcast, it is the blaspheming of one Kevin Magnuson, the prodigal son of Gunther Steiner, who's returned for the season. <laughs> how, how, how dare you? How dare you, Aaron? The, Come on. The biggest losers this, this week, it's not, it's not McLaren, it's not Red Bull, it's Drive to Survive because they used to get away with their yearly Ooh. Drive to Survive episode of has being terrible, and everyone would laugh at Gunter Steiner swearing. But now it's just say, mm. "Good time to season, yeah, really good." Uh, yeah, Kevin and Ben Meek did really good job. We are World Drivers Champion, and I don't. <laughs> I, I'm a bit more Arnold Schwarzenegger than I am Gunter Steiner, but you know. Aside from that, you get my point. Uh, drive it in. Oh yeah, what we will have on this podcast is plenty of blaspheming of Netflix. We could let's lambast Netflix as much as possible. All right. That's that. Yeah. They put out a movie recently, slightly off topic, um, but they put out a movie recently about head coach of the New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton. Right. Pretty scrappy dude. Uh, He's Aaron. He's about your stature. Maybe he's between mine and your stature. He's not a large man by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but he was played by Kevin James. All right. And Kevin James. Yeah. And Kevin James didn't lose any weight for it. Okay. Hey. Netflix. Are you even trying? Okay. So you're going to like basically create drama from drivers that have no rivalries at all. Uh, and then you're going to make a movie about Sean Payton with Kevin James. What's going on Netflix? So yeah, I think the big loser is not Hey, loser for the entire season drive to survive. Ah, that's what I think. I'm not Good. sure, man. I'm not sure they're going to have like three episodes about the fall of McLaren and uh, they'll that's be true. doing perfectly fine. Yeah. It'll no, just- no, but then they'll, they'll- They'll try and pick up like Daniel Ricciardo's inevitable like PA in Canada as some massive achievement. Yeah, we're meant, we're meant to feel happy for Mazepin unlapping himself in the Russia episode and like them like cutting to the, the <laughs> team yeah. cheering was so good. <laughs> I just what? knew when the cloud when the sky is gray, it's gonna rain. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up here, Jack, man. I grew up. I, I lived here. Thanks. How are you doing? He's like, cuts to him. He's like, oh, I'm so busy. Yeah, man, I'm sure you're so busy there with your getting ready to be lapped twice in your own in your own race. I liked how every time they cut to the Russian scenes, too, they would just like play this like weird, ru- menacing, like Russian music. So you just knew, you know, <laughs> you just knew that they were that's what they were talking about. Um, favorite part of Drive to Survive this season, though, was Gunther Steiner talking to one of the other Haas guys and the Haas guys sounded kind of intimidated by Mazepin's dad like well he's an oligarch and Gunther is like he's not an oligarch he's a fertilizer guy <laughs> he's just like <laughs> he's like huh yeah dude there you go uh but man yeah uh we'll see we'll see what, what happens with Hess. 
I don't think, yeah, I think Aaron, you're right. I think they're, they're not going to end it. Will they be P five and constructors? Probably not. Will they be, you know, six to nine? Maybe, maybe we'll see. Uh, Ferrari's got a, a huge advantage of the, on the power units in the design. Uh, we can see the side pod similarities between the Ferrari and the Haas uh, with the way they design their car. And uh, I mean, they're looking good out of the gate. Um, will Mercedes catch up? Definitely. Um, will they catch up to the front of the pack? Will Mercedes be contending for wins by the end of the season? That's a question that I don't think anybody knows the answer to. I just know that like, you never underestimate uh, a Mercedes engineer team to figure out a problem um, before the middle of the season, before spa, something like that. Ja- James, you're, you're, uh, what do you think? You're kind of smiling. My stomach is rumbling so loudly. <laughs> I was so right. It's been rumbling throughout the last half an hour. Yeah. I was terrified. It's ruined the podcast. Oh no! no, um, no. I thought you were just like, nah, big to differ. <laughs> oh yeah, Mercedes. God, I hate them. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, maybe this is this is the silly sort of hit, appeal to history, but there's no way that Mercedes are not going to win a race this season. There's no way. That Lewis Hamilton isn't going to win a race this season. Mm. I I just can't see it. You know, um, I think Lewis said uh, at some point this week, and I think before the race, he said we don't have the best car, but we have the best team. And I think that's what you're really going to see. You know, don't forget last season how superior that Red Bull was. You know, Max yeah. went to Austria, won by like thirty seconds, and then at the end of the season, that Red Bull couldn't get near him. You know, I, I, I really think Mercedes, again, maybe not win the title, but I, there'll be a race winning card this year. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Especially because even if they don't have uh, a matching car on outright pace or race trim, there's still situations where the strategy goes wrong for the top teams. You'll have a Monza's type situation where somehow something happens to the top teams and they can poke through. You saw it with McLaren last year because they had a car that was knocking on p3 constructors door um i'm sorry correct me real quick is what mclaren was p3 constructors last year ferrari was ferrari was okay yeah ferrari ferrari was but they were knocking on p3 for constructors so they were able to convert that to a win uh lando norris was uh was p4 in the constructors yeah yeah Didn't, wasn't that Checo? <laughs> no, he said he said Lando basically is the constructors champion for McLaren. Oh, Lando, Lando Norris, Lando Norris, Mercedes racing was okay. Yeah, yes. yes, yeah. I like I you're 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 speaking like uh like like Mercedes is deceased. No, like they're not. Like they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be back at the front of the pack, guys. No, like if I, history like tells you anything. No, not this year. Not this year. They won't be. I'm clear. I'm calling it right now. They're, they they will not be contending. For, <laughs> I do have a base right there, so that is hey. that. That no, yeah, we well, no, we'll go back and forth on this throughout the season, which will be fun. But I no, I don't. I don't see them outright contending for wins like like they were last year. No, do I think they'll win a race or two this season? Yes. Uh, do I think they'll do it on outright pace at any of these tracks? Absolutely not. I, I don't know. There's something about. There's something I don't know. It's just a hunch. I don't even have anything to go off of, other than I just I just kind of want to see them not do it for a year. <laughs> so I just kind of want to, but we'll see. I think it would be the ideal scenario. I think that they do everything they can to have Lewis win at Silverstone. 
yeah. win the championship. So he has literally every record. Then he retires. Then we see Pierre Gasly. And oh, what, yeah. what's that other guy that races for Mercedes name that's a total dud? I can't remember. Gre- Greg Russi, something like that. Greg Russick. Know. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Greg Russick. <laughs> Gerg like Larusa. <laughs> Is that his name? Gerg Larusa? You know what? Here, okay, yeah. Let me adjust my statement. Uh, I don't think they're going to be vying for a championship this year. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, will they pull their car up to where they're contending for, to wins? Quite possibly. Yeah, I will give you that. Um, uh, and is that a better scenario for racing overall? Absolutely. Um, and do you do you, can you really second guess a Mercedes team to figure out aerodynamic issues or anything else going on with their car? Absolutely not, because those guys are. I don't know. They're basically just a bunch of Doctor Manhattans in a factory just figuring it out duplicating themselves and then like working through holograms and are they going to fix it in the next month or two no i think we're going to see a pretty rough month or two for them but i, th- I think they will they will they, yeah they'll definitely come back at some point um let's see here what else we got red bull's fuel system issue uh we think that's going to be a problem for them the rest of the year you think we're going to be uh struggling with that you think that's something they'll be able to put a cap on uh no, no pun intended isolated incident yeah. Yeah. Something that they're going to easily solve. I am here for Red Bull continuing to drop the car in the pit lane, though. I think that is just <laughs> very funny. I don't know why uh, they uh, drive to survive needs to needs to switch it up as far as like covering um, just uh, instead of just covering the drivers and stuff like that. Uh, cover the teams. Cover the engineers. These are the Dude, guys. Show them doing calisthenics Dude, in the pit lane. Yeah, a little bit, but like the yeah, yeah, the calisthenics <laughs> with the with the host times. But like, what's that NFL team? Oh, ma'am, uh, I wish I could uh, something saw the the HBO series or Showtime series with the NFL where they follow a team around um, and stuff yep. like that. They go deeper into the organization, and that that's what makes that show so captivating. Um, well, they did it with McLaren a few years ago. Uh, it was the last year. It was whenever they had Stoffel Van Dorn and Alonso. It was called Grand Prix Driver. But oh, yeah. you would like you were seeing them prepare for the season. But the amount of like blurred imagery you saw in that show because yeah. they they would be inside the factory and then like just entire swaths of the screen you would just see like people's faces and then everything else was blurred because they didn't want to give anything away. Yeah, which yeah. I don't know why anyone would want to steal from that GP two car. <laughs> but- <laughs> Yeah, just go deeper into the into the organizational structure of stuff. Uh, I think it's pretty fascinating, especially with a team like Ferrari. Carlos Sainz was on Beyond the Grid recently, and he was talking about how f- they take care of their drivers better than anyone else does. And it'd be fascinating to see how that organization works as far as their logistics and things like that, their engineers, um, the challenges they face with communication sometimes, um, the different teams or the different factions within the teams communicating. We know we saw a lot of those issues with with Williams over the last few years. So yeah, man, cover the cover the team, the organizations and engineers more. That would be that would be super cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see if Ferrari can maintain. Oh, I mean, I, I think that's kind of the question. Can Ferrari keep this up throughout the entire season? Uh, is this just like a burst right out of the gate, and then they're gonna basically kind of get caught up with with the other teams? Um, remains to be seen. But I, I think that's the big question. Are, you know, are they going to be able to maintain this um, with their with their organization the way it is? You know, what do y'all think? Well, I will definitely allude to what I think whenever we get to our predictions. Mm, mm. Yeah, there we go. We got some predictions. Uh, we got some predictions. There. Let's talk before we get to those, though. 
Let's talk about Valtteri Bottas for a second. Valtteri Bottas. Is it Bottas or Bottas? I'm saying Bottas. That's the way they say it. Uh, it's Valtteri Bottas. It's, uh, Bottas. Wait, does he say Bottas? <laughs> he says Bottas. Yes, like Bottas. That. Okay. Uh, let's talk about this guy going to an Alfa Romeo uh, and then being pretty much up there on the grid with his Mercedes teammates this weekend. Uh, how satisfying does that have to be? Uh, to go to another team like that and then still see your uh, teammates pretty easily from your starting point on the grid uh, come, Sunday, <laughs> come Sunday, see your old teammates. Uh, and also not to be uh, not to be understated as uh, Zhou Guan Yu's performance as well. As a, as a rookie doing kind of the same thing Yuki did at Bahrain last year. But um, man, he looked super good this weekend. Really mm. good this weekend. Uh, even with Yuki's performance in Bahrain last year, Joe wasn't making the same mistakes that Yuki was on the opening weekend. Um, that dude was like cold blooded. Uh, so I think that guy is going to be a huge surprise. Um, and we'll get to the predictions in the in the in the rest of the episode. But I, I feel like rookie of the year definitely. Wait, is he? The yeah, only rookie I feel like you're going to go out on a limb and say he's going to get rookie. Wait, of the he's year. the only rookie no, this no. year, huh? I would say Magnuson. rookie, rookie of the year. That's why, yeah. Flawless prediction bold, right there. Bold yeah. prediction, yes. Hulkenberg, Hulkenberg returning. Hey, I mean, it might be, we might see uh, Yuri Vips whenever Yuki eventually <laughs> <laughs> screws himself out of that, that Alphatari seat. Uh, man, I love that kid. I love I love his little, I loved his little thing on Drive to Survive too. He just, he just walked out of the room to get like a massage from their trainer. He's like, oh, that was a good poop. It's like, oh. <laughs> I like this kid. I like him. I love the kid. No filter. Botas has to feel really justified in his ability coming coming out of this like i've i was really happy for him to qualify so well the the beginning of the race i feel like he had some sort of issues because you don't just tumble like eight positions on the opening lap for nothing i mean not even valtteri botas does that no, no. Uh, but like i I've, i feel like he had to come out of this situation feeling really good about himself um i heard i don't know if this is actually true but i saw on f1 twitter which is everyone knows is just complete facts at all times all some people talking about how he uh whatsapped toto wolf about uh, qualifying P uh, P six, oh, and, and, <laughs> and he was just like, it's, like, "It's good to be around you. <laughs> it's good to be around you guys." So, predictions for the season, uh, drivers, constructors. Let, let me just throw out my my drivers. I'm going to go with my hopefuls. This is what I hope is going to go. Uh, the hope uh, is. Let's go with hope. Let's go with optimism and hope for these these predictions. Which is, which is, I think we're going to see signs. I'm going to say signs. Take the take the championship. All right. Wow. Science drivers championship. Uh Leclerc second. And uh I think just out of out of logical. Yeah, just I want it. Yeah, Verstappen third. That's Verstappen third. Science Leclerc Verstappen. My driver's championship predictions for the end of the year. Well, I I think I'm gonna go reverse there. Mm. I think I'm gonna go Verstappen Leclerc Science. I think I think Ferrari will win that constructors. But I think what will hold the drivers back is they are the two Ferrari drivers are too close to each other in ability that they will battle each other. You know, Max really only has to race 18 cars because Checo is so inferior that he helps him out. But I don't think Sainz and Leclerc are in that position where they can help each other out. Mm. You, do you think there? There's I don't think there's any tension between them though. They no, no, like no, they, just. Yeah. Healthy competitivism. Competitivism? Yeah. That's not a word. Competitive competition. 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 Yeah. yeah, you're probably that's that's probably the the prediction that's gonna be right. I'm I'm way off. I'm just throwing 
this is, you know, I'm just going with hope and optimism. All right. For my idealism, if you will. Aaron, what do you got? Well, I actually am going to have to agree with both of you. And, uh, you know, you know, I guess we're all doing the same drivers, just in different orders. I think it's going to be signs first for Stappen and then Leclerc. I think that oh. Sainz is going to find himself in the situation where he's probably not contending for wins every weekend, but he is going to steadily finish second or third, and he's going to have the most uh, boring World Driver Championship title of all time. That's essentially my strategy in my league. My uh, my F1 <laughs> league is to consistently be, be P9 every, every race, <laughs> Mr. P9, and eventually I find myself with the most points. And then I move up to Division One, and uh, and then I'll be Mister P fifteen every race. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a good strategy. You know, be be P two every race, Mister P two, Mister Shake and Bake, uh, Mister Magic Man from Talladega Nights, and then uh, bada boom, bada bing, find yourself uh, with the drivers' championship. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think yeah, that's uh, that was gonna be my original prediction was for Stappen third or for Stappen second, but I want to see him third this this season for whatever reason. Um, constructors. Constructors champions. I feel like we're going to be unanimous on this one. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's hard not to say uh, that it's going to be Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, yeah, so, Alfa Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Valtteri scoring all the points. Grant Yushou has got his only point of the season now, and it's just all right. Obviously, constructors championships this year. Constructors champions Aston Martin. Okay, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I mean, we all know what we're looking at when we see it. All right. Uh, so Aston Martin, Haas, second, and uh, Williams third, and that's what that's how it's going to go. Uh, no, but re- realistically, we're like we're we're all we're all pretty much saying it's going to be Ferrari, Fer- Ferrari, yeah. Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes. Yeah, I think I think Mercedes going to be three. I think by the end of the season, it won't be so defined a top two. I think by the end of the season, Mercedes will have enough performance to be close but i think they are so far off at the moment that unless by the time we get to europe they are the best car on the grid it's it's too late already yeah yeah that's true yeah the old boring 2022 constructors for the new cars uh just a boring old constructors championship for 2022 exciting season boring constructors we know it's going to happen uh so you know actually that would have been the one good one to make before before the race because like i i would have said but like pre-race because like pre-race i would have said mclaren like pre-bahrain pre-testing oh. i would have said mclaren uh p3 constructors easily and and so and then you're just watching them just like oh no oh no Oh no! I wanted to see four teams up front. Like I wanted to see four teams just nail it out of the gate and be like four teams vying for the front. To to completely change the subject, just really quickly, do you think that perhaps Google is regretting uh, not signing a sponsorship deal with Haas at this point? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet that said they're going to put an incognito window icon on their window. <laughs> <laughs> Google requested that they run an incognito livery. They're more like in the internet explorer. Last yeah. race rather than Chrome, I think they actually do that for their cars. And then they, and then the, and then they finish the race and they're like, Oh, our data wasn't saved because it was incognito mode. So, Oh man, uh, we suck again. Okay. So, uh, okay. Outlandish predictions. 
outlandish predictions this season. What do we got for like weird predictions? And I, uh, I have, I would like to have like a moment of silence for what I thought was going to be the best outlandish prediction, mm. um, and that was how many combined laps down Nikita Mazepin was going to finish this season. Uh, moment, uh, moment of silence. Please. Well, he finished. He finished no laps down. Let's give yeah, him some props I, for that. Well done, Nikita. Yeah, <laughs> great job, man. I'm so, dude. I'm so proud. So proud, you know. His dad's got to be proud too, you know. Yeah. Do you guys think that uh, Yuki is going to finish this season at AlphaTauri? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he will. I think he will. Yes. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna make some big improvements. And partially, I'm saying that just because I love him so much. So again, going with the hope and idealism. Um, but yeah, I think he'll, he'll come through. I think he'll score some points. Uh, is he gonna be anywhere near Gasly? No, but. Uh, Gasly's not going to be there next year anyway. That's my prediction. Wow. Where, How? So, so, can I <laughs> Where's he going to be? Where, where's he going to be? <laughs> I don't know. I just think he's going to move on to another team. I, I think I think he's too good to stay at AlphaTauri. I think he's too good of a driver. Um, I think if there's any openings at any other teams that are going to offer a, a step up in any in any sort of way or a project for him that would be more challenging, I think he's going to take it. Um, unless he's just too happy there. Unless he's just like, hey, I got my AlphaTauri seat, and I'm super happy because they give us clothes. I, which he might because he's a uh, so French, you know? So, But, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if he's going to – I don't know if he's just going to be happy there another year. Unless he signed a contract that I'm not aware of. Uh, for uh, he's on, he, his contract's up at the end of the year, Boom. and he will be a Mercedes driver. Mm. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Girk McLarus is not going to be there next year. <laughs> Seth McFarland's Girk Larus. Yeah, the guy with the, the bags under his eyes. I can't ever remember his name. Yeah, yeah. the skinny one. He, I, I think it's really easy for him to be portrayed. I don't think he's arrogant. I think he's just a very, very confident Englishman. Also, he's a Formula One driver. So, like, how? What do you? What else are you supposed to be? You know, like, you know, you're one of the top twenty drivers in the world, making millions of dollars. You're twenty three years old. Um, but I, I love the part in driver survivors like, yeah, it's just all part of the job, you know, it's sitting there with his girl, just girlfriend on a skyscraper restaurant, like Wolf of Wall Street. Like, yeah, you know, it's the fame. It just comes with it. You know, it's just like- <laughs> how, how many teams do you guys think, uh, score a podium this year? Uh, hmm. eight, eight teams. I think a lot. So that that's on the on on the back of my outlandish prediction, which you know, if you said this last week, it would have been a very boring prediction. Is that McLaren going to finish fourth? I I think something went wrong this weekend. Something very strange went wrong because they were good in Barcelona. They were really good in Barcelona. They they looked okay in testing. They didn't look terrible. Um, and to just have that utter lack of pace in the car. Like I said, something's up. And yeah. I think if you look at the, the cars competing, Alpine, I guess Alpine it could be a big threat to them, but Haas, surely you're not going to keep this up. Alfa Romeo, surely you're not going to keep this up. And McLaren have, by some way, the best infrastructure of that lower midfield team. Yeah, um, that's a really McLaren. good point. Let's put a pin on that and come back to that real quick because I, I do want to do the, the the podium thing real quick. Because oh, I sorry, guess, I had to I guess, question. Oh, I, you're I fine. You're fine. We'll 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 put a pin in it. Let's circle back to it. Okay. Um. So, but as far as the podiums go, um, I got. I guess I got to think of that uh, in the reverse engineering aspect and and go backwards and think who's not going to score a podium. 
this year. Um, I don't see Williams scoring a podium this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see Aston Martin scoring a podium this year, sadly, because I wanted them to be uh, good. Um, and I, I want to say I don't see Haas scoring a podium either. I, th- I think they're going to be performing a lot better than they were last year, which isn't a high bar to cross. But so, yeah, I'm going to go seven. I mean, wait, actually, oh, I'm going to go. No, I'm going to go. I don't think McLaren's going to do it either. I think I'm going to go with six teams not scoring a podium this year. Or, uh, or I'm sorry, four. Oh, wait, was the question scoring podiums or not scoring podiums? I mean, like, there's a finite number, so it doesn't matter. I guess you could, guess you could state it either way. I got okay. So teams to score a podium this year will be six. Yeah, it'll be the other, the remaining six. But McLaren, Haas, Aston Martin, and Williams. I don't see them scoring podiums at all. No. I'm I'm going eight too. I'm going I'm going eight. I think the only teams that don't are going to be uh, Williams and uh, Aston Martin. Unfortunately, mm. I also mm, think yeah. that that's going to lead to Seb. Uh, Bowing out. Oh, yeah, I think it. I think if they don't pull it around, uh, it's uh, McLaren. The thing about McLaren and the the things they do have working on them are on their sides as far as being the two works teams that aren't performing well out of the gate for Bahrain is James. What you touched on, they do have the infrastructure to course correct a lot better than Alfa Romeo and Haas have the infrastructure to maintain their performance this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think definitely that's going to, because teams like elite teams like Mercedes and things like that, they, they take years, uh, to develop and, and there's, there's not a, it's not, it's not a coincidence that that team is able to do what they're able to do. I mean, they've built it, uh, over so many years, Red Bull too. I mean, those teams at the top Ferrari, they've been in the sport since it was, since it was invented. So, uh, there's a reason those teams are at the top constantly. And yeah, I will. Will Alfa Romeo and Haas perform this year? Yes. Will they? Will it be better than they did last year? Yes. Um, but the teams most likely to turn it around are, are probably going to be Aston and McLaren. Which leads me. Let me throw one. Let me throw a, an audible here. Seeing this weekend's performance, who's going to be able to turn around the best uh, from their poor performance? Is it going to be Williams? Is it going to be McLaren? Or is it going to be Aston Martin? I have the most faith in McLaren. Yeah. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't go from a, a, to call them race winning, I guess that might be a little bit lucky, but a car that was consistently fast enough to get a podium on some weekends to be in the, the worst car. That that just doesn't happen, particularly with the money of McLaren, with the experiences like Brown, with the quality of Norris and Ricardo. It, it doesn't happen. Yeah, they are. I mean, they they are one of the few teams to do that certain suspension, right? It was a it was a push rod suspension on the rear. Uh, it, they were like one of the few teams to do a certain suspension setup. Am I? Am it was I them in Red Bull? They did the inverse of what they did previously. I, I want to say that it's pull rod up front and push rod and back. Okay, and then, so McLaren's doing the same thing, correct? If I'm if I'm not mistaken, which I very well could be. Okay, so going off of that, if we're not if we're not wrong on that, McLaren's the only team to have that rear suspension change that doesn't have the benefit of the rear suspension design of Red Bull, which is a pretty solid one. Um, and I think unless it's dropped unless, in the pit lane, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless the rear, unless the rear Jackman just uh, drop it again. Uh, so maybe that's going to be their challenge. I don't, do we know yet? Um, we'd have to do some reading, but do we know yet if that was the, the issue with their performances this, 
in this weekend with their breaks and stuff like that. I wonder if those things are connected, just thinking out loud. They have about 15 million issues at yeah. McLaren, and all of them are dollars paid to Daniel Ricciardo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, he's gonna. Are we gonna see him just break down this season? That's another. That's let's let's what, do this what, as what, a, like like on, on the side of the track or like no, metaphorically like and emotionally, <laughs> Like, are are we gonna see a Daniel Ricardo existential breakdown before the end of the season? Are we gonna see him crying in agony? Um, is is the facade of jolly humor going to melt away and reveal a desolate, desperate Daniel Ricardo? crying in the fetal position next to his car after a poor qualifying on some it, Sunday. It, or it some depends Saturday. where Renault, if Renault finishes ahead of them, uh, like halfway through the season, <laughs> probably. <laughs> the, the guy's got to be the worst potential recruiter of all time. I don't know when this made more poor career decisions than Daniel Ricciardo, honestly. I think half the people that ended up working for Stalin and got killed made better career decisions than <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo did. I, I never understood why he left Red Bull. I never understood. I understood the need. I understood the need. I understood the feeling of, of wanting to kind of take charge of your own career. Um, but I feel like there's plenty of ways to do that while still staying on one of the top teams on the grid. I don't know why that was ever done. I mean, the dude came off of like multiple wins that season and then was like, you know what? I'm out. And it's like, whoa, dude. Like, okay. Uh, uh, okay, uh, knock yourself out, and then you know. So I don't know. I think, I think the reasons for him leaving were were strange too. I think he wanted like a more relaxed atmosphere. I don't know. I I guess I I don't drive for Red Bull, but I hear it's a pretty crazy organization to to work for and to drive for. Signs articulated that as well on that uh, Beyond the Grid episode uh, lately, where he was talking about driving for Red Bull's uh, you know Toro Rosso and things like that. And it being just a crazy cutthroat experience, um, so maybe that drove him away. But yeah, it's it hasn't looked like it's you know reaped any rewards as of, as of right now. So yeah, it's it's. I mean, the the mystery to the Red Bull, uh, it's a bit like Area Fifty One. We'll never know what happens behind the scenes at the Red Bull Driver Academy, at the Red Bull Number Two seat. Yeah, it's it seems like once once helmet once you're gone, you're. Or once helmet stops loving you, you're like you're finished. <laughs> Any more outlandish predictions before we move on to our Jetta podium? I I think that Ricard I think that McLaren is going to do poorly this year, but I think that Ricardo is going to outscore Norris. Ooh, wait, what? You wait, you say Ricardo is going to outscore Norris? Yes. What? How, okay. How, why? You know. Tell you me. said you wanted another outlandish prediction. Okay, that's just your um, outlandish. But you're okay. You're just like <laughs> no. You're no just I like, think I I think that they're on. Like I I do believe that Ricardo's a good driver. I just think that like there's been some. He's had some really unfortunate. He's made terrible decisions. He's yeah. just moved into places and has left before. Granted, like Alpine Renault is just perpetually a mess. I guess. Yeah, because like they, there's like it doesn't seem like there's very much stability there. McLaren seems like a much better situation. For I don't know, in. man. And, I, yeah, I mean, Alpine looks good this year, though. I mean, they 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 were kind of the silent here, the silent winners of this weekend. Uh, they mm -hmm. performed pretty well. Uh, they don't seem to have any reliability issues, which might be a huge advantage this season. Um, I mean, I feel like it's it's a game of like if you built the most reliable car this season, you already gave yourself a leg up. So I don't know, man. I think they've they've made some huge uh, improvements. Uh, at least since 2019, too. Um, so, so we'll see. 
Um, so yeah. P6 in the Drivers' Championship will be Esteban Ocon. P6? <laughs> he's, been, he's been waiting for, an, for a breakout season. Yeah. And he, I mean, I mean he was up against Fernando Alonso last season. Yeah. And he got beat, but I didn't think he was terrible at all. I've, I've just got a feeling that Russell's yeah. going to struggle through through his fault or, or someone else's. Yeah. And Esteban Ocon, P6. Yeah. I think Alpine could do very well this season. Very well. I think they can too. I think that's a, I think that's uh that's a team that's going to surprise a lot of people this year. Uh it's weird seeing a pink team too that's not Racing Point. You know what I'm saying? That's the yeah. Ocon back at Racing Point. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> it's just weird seeing a Pepto-Bismol car that's not race, Racing Point. And so it messes with your head. You're like, "Oh, this isn't this isn't Racing Point." So, uh man, do I have any more outlandish predictions? I think I think Bottas is going to win a race this year. Bottas. That's not an outlandish prediction. No, it is though, oh, because he's in, an Alfa Romeo. <laughs> he's in an Alfa he's gonna Romeo. He's going to win. He's he's going to win Canada in front, and I'm going to be there. And we're going to make eye contact, and he's going to invite me to come celebrate with him because I'm his biggest fan. Yeah, is he just going to know through the eye contact? Yes. I think if you make eye contact, hold up a cup of coffee. At the yes. same, have a cup of coffee in your hand and be ready for the eye contact, and be make it somewhere where like y'all are. It's like within ten feet. And then you 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 hold the uh, you hold the coffee up and you you look and then telepathically you say you are the wolf and then yeah. and then he'll he'll know telepathically through the coffee that you deserve to party with him. Here's here's another outlandish prediction, and this one actually breaks my heart. Like I feel like we're not very far away from a live laugh love helmet design from Botox. Oh. <laughs> No, better, better with live love, love, love. Uh, 100%. But Tosa's girlfriend with... designing his helmets, like the one for Brazil was woof. Oh, man. So oh, man. She looks, oh, man. She's like a nervous Nicole Kidman on that driver's survive scene. Where they're, just, they're just like talking in the, in the trailer, and she's just like, it looks like she's on the brink of crying or something. She's like, well, this is how it goes. And then she's just like about to cry, and you're just like, you are so nervous in front of this camera. Don't. We don't need also we don't need those weird scripted moments where you're talking about you know, like we don't need the this isn't like this is us on NBC. Like we don't need the like yeah. intimate we you could use that time to go talk to the engineers and show us badass engineer stuff. Go do that instead. I don't want I don't care about the the chats and the trailers between girls. I don't what is this? The Bachelor? What's going on? I don't I don't need We have to humanize stuff. these characters. <laughs> They are robots driving cars 200 miles an hour. I don't care if they're humans, okay? Um, yes. So, robots with magic hairlines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, we got our predictions in, outlandish predictions in. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, by the end of the year. We'll do an end of the year uh, prediction episode. R- real quick, uh, Jetta predictions uh, poll, and then one, two, three. Uh, Jetta poll, I'm going to go Verstappen and, uh, one, two, three, I'm going to go Verstappen. I'm going to go Verstappen and then Leclerc and then I'm going to go George Russell. Throw, mm. I'm going to throw Russell P3. Um, one thing that they did say about the Mercedes car is that it's good in fast corners. Uh, Saudi has a lot of fast corners. Um, so m- interested to see what the Mercedes does on this track, um, because this is basically just a, t- a, a tunnel of speed the entire thing um y'all drive it on the game right it's like the easily the funnest track on the game to drive uh it's apparently faster than it was last year now after the changes let's go let's go dude um so yeah uh verstappen pole 
uh, Verstappen, Leclerc, Russell, one, two, three. Aaron, what do you think? I think that I think we're going to see Leclerc on pole. I don't want Leclerc to be on pole, but I think Leclerc is going to get pole. I I think the podium is going to be a little bit mixed up. I'm going to say that it's going to be a Signs Hamilton Ocon podium. Mm, wow. Okay. Signs Hamilton Ocon. I think that there. I think that we're going to get some carnage in this race. James uh, Jetta pole one two three. What do you think? Uh, oh, I'm gonna go with the old, the old duo, Max Lewis, mm. uh, Leclerc. I think, like, I think Lewis is Lewis has got something in him. He ain't, it ain't over till it's over. Ver, Verham Leck, one, two, three. What about Paul? Yeah, uh, Max again. I think Lewis is gonna qualify like fifth or sixth and have like a like a mega defensive drive. We'll see. I'm just yeah, I'm interested to see what the the Merc cars do at the more tracks we go to. I just want to see how this plays out. Um will they be able to pull it up uh and uh, what's going to happen throughout the rest of the season. Uh anyway, so we've got our predictions in and uh we've got a good season ahead of us. 23 races, I guess 22 at this point. Um if you're watching this podcast, uh be sure to hit us at all the socials things like that. We've got some cool content planned for the rest of the season. We've got some gaming content as well, some gaming chat to come uh, throughout the season. Uh, Aaron uh, needs to get a PlayStation. Uh, so we're going to, I guess we'll wait for Aaron to get a PlayStation uh, at some point. So uh, we'll wait for PlayStations to become available. So, no, you can get them now. All right. You're just not trying hard <laughs> enough. All right. So uh, you got to know the right people. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do some gaming content. Uh, we are going to have some more episodes. Everything that you uh, see as far as uh, socials, uh, show notes, uh, links to articles and things like that uh, will be in the show notes rather um, of this episode. So uh, be sure to like and subscribe. If you're on YouTube, if you're on Spotify, go ahead and follow us, things of that nature. And if you're on Google Play, uh, go ahead and uh, just like die because nobody uses Google Play. So <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so, anyway, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. James Aaron, thanks for joining me on this adventure. Yeah. Rest in peace, Hambot Veripodium. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one more time. time. <laughs> RIP. It's the era of Chuck. It's the era of Chuck <laughs> Leclerc. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Yeah.